Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, we've got our usual panel this week. We've got Adam and Rhiannon. Guys, uh, go ahead and say hello, and if you want to share your Twitter handle, go ahead. But uh, how you doing? Hello. Hi, Adam. I'm That's all Rhiannon. I have to offer right now. Well, hello, Fix. I like Twitter people, even if you're coming at me saying that I was totally wrong. I'm on Twitter as Brooklyn MND. And I'm on Twitter, Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you're totally wrong on, Rhiannon? Oh yeah, the water the don't the waterfalls thing last week. The um Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, yeah. does that mean I was right? Yeah. Well, according to mm. one of our Twitter people. And um yeah, like people had real thoughts about Nirvana too. So thanks guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, we can go into this later, but I have loved hearing everybody's thoughts on Captain Marvel. Loved it, hated it, general criticism. I'm just fascinated by the criticism for this movie. So keep it coming at me. Or just keep it coming. It doesn't have to be at me. Make it at Adam. Adam Go ahead. It. Go ahead. Hell yeah. Tweet me all the hate. It fuels me. You, I mean, it's. I don't. I've stopped eating and drinking. I don't need water or food anymore. I am powered solely on the tears of neck beards. That was a joke. I have been eating. If you can't tell. So <laughs> <laughs> one thing I don't think our podcast is generally going to be concerned about. I don't think any of our listeners are going to be like. Yeah, those guys really look like they have not been eating anything lately. I mean, right. all three of us wasting away. Wasting away. Exactly. Though I did all have right, the world's best okay. workout this week, you guys. Have Can you, you want to say more about that, yeah. actually, or no? I worked out with Naquam Washington, who's Charlie Cox's personal trainer, at like this gym in Manhattan, which is where all the muscles live. I referred to it as the Dungeon of Muscle. And it was amazing. And so he treated me to a workout. And it was fantastic. And I hurt everywhere. I was like, the next morning I left my house and I love I have like a flight of stairs to get out the door. And I, I was like, oh, I feel good. I feel good. And I stepped down one step and like my leg wouldn't bend. I was like, oh, I'm going to die. So question, can you do a hallway fight now? I think I need to work without. Uh, I would need to work out with him a couple more times before I could haul gotcha. weight. But um, I mean, that's I the goal. You know, like if I can, if I can work out with him a couple more times, I will just start challenging people <sighs> in the office at work. We have a nice long hallway at the office. See, I was thinking sometime when I visit New York, we can just have a hallway fight in your hallway at your apartment. There's a hallway there, right? I don't know I mean, if there's a lot of space, but it'd be the Marvel News Desk fight. <laughs> that little hallway. We could do um, yeah. a good stairway fight here. And maybe when I'm a little more athletic, I'll go upstairs to see if I can break into the roof. Get the roof access. Ooh. Yeah. So Hopefully the landlord doesn't listen. Right. <laughs> Sign up to our Patreon at uh, the $5 level and you get a video of us three beating <laughs> each other. <and> <laughs> That's funny. We're on the roof. We're on, on the roof. So we have a bit of breaking news that we are recording separately from the main podcast. You'll probably hear it just in the middle of it. Uh, we're recording uh, at an unusual time. So if you hear my children in the background, never mind that. They're just having fun on a nice Saturday morning. 
But we felt like we needed to talk about it because Adam, at long last, your man is back. Hell yeah. James Gunn is returning to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Oh, how? Why? I mean, what the... I don't know. You know? I, I guess I don't know what to say. Um, I have plenty of things to say. Can you believe it? I'm truly shocked. I'm, I mean, I, did any of you hold out hope for this at all? It was my pie in the sky. What's bigger than pie in the sky? Moonshot. A moonshot? Sure. You know, that's what this was for. I figured maybe some eventually, you know, years down the road, which this is technically years down the road. Um, no, this is like seven months down the road. Eight months? Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, the movie won't come out for another, what, four years, three years? At least. Yeah. So, I mean, I figured eventually. Um, but it's pretty clear that it's been in the works for quite a while, and they just waited till Captain Marvel released to drop this. Like, everyone knew, or at least cast members knew. Yeah, it almost feels to me like they waited until Captain Marvel was done, and then the Fox deal is going to drop next week and be finalized. So it's almost like they just sandwiched it in the middle while fan attention is like spread and an endgame trailer came out in the middle of that too. So there's just so much stuff going on that they're like, oh yeah, by the way, James Gunn's back. So moving on and like they don't even have to, uh, you know, talk about it long before there'll be something else to distract the masses. Right. And it was literally like that political move of the Friday afternoon news drop. Like, you, you announce things on Friday afternoon, so the news outlets don't have a lot of time to talk about them on the weekday news cycle. Like, a political thing. Anything is possible now, you guys. Except for Daredevil coming back. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> you guys um, know exactly so, where I'm going with that. <laughs> so, um, let's talk a little bit about the time frames. There's been, I mean, this is immediately what fascinates me, because my obsession is always, like, what's the slate? What movies are coming? When are they coming out? We had some thought that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 would be coming in uh, May of 2022. Uh, The complication with all this, and the reason I thought it would never happen, was because James Gunn took the Suicide Squad. And I thought that the scheduling on that would be prohibitive. Uh, The report has said that he will film Guardians when he's finished with the Suicide Squad. And for a lot of people, there's been talk on Twitter I'm seeing of like, oh, but what about the non-compete between Marvel and DC? Uh, There is no such thing. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne has been in both sets of movies. Uh, Jaman Hansu has been in both sets of movies. David Callaham, who's writing the Shang-Chi movie, is also writing Wonder Woman 1984. Like, I don't think there's any reason to think that's actually a problem. But the scheduling is interesting. Uh, Originally, I thought this would push back this movie to 2023 at the earliest. But um, I know Charles Murphy has been uh, floating this conspiracy theory that what they'll do is um, they'll film Suicide Squad and then he'll immediately jump over and do Guardians and then be finished with Guardians in time to do the press tour for Suicide Squad. Which is interesting because Suicide Squad does have a long gap between uh filming and release um if you guys have to wait longer to get james i assume it's worth it in your minds 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't even... They could still push Suicide Squad up. Like, they're filming that this fall, I think. Um, and it's not until August 2021, I think, was the release date, maybe? Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Um... I mean, we were fine with having, like, a five-year gap for them to go before having somebody else do Guardians. So, I mean, obviously, waiting a few years for James Gunn on Guardians is cool. I mean, really, were you excited about Guardians without James Gunn? Mm. Exactly. I mean, regardless, they were going to use... That's the thing. I mean, it was either you, you, you let him write the script and direct or just get someone else to write the script um that that's what kind of stuck out to me it just seemed bizarre that they would fire the guy from being director but so like ah, yeah we'll use his story i mean certainly he's going to be involved in some endgame press stuff right because obviously people are going to ask about it i, I wouldn't think they'll have him in front of any microphones so because the other thing is he's busy, man. He's got to be, like, writing furiously to get the script finished up for Suicide Squad. He's a pretty quick writer, though, right? I mean, I think that I think that will tell how Disney really feels about it. Like, is James Gunn working on it, but, like, he's on a tight leash, and he's very much got to toe the line, and they don't want to bring any attention to it? Or are they going to invite him to the endgame premiere and have him, you know, there on the red carpet talking to people about how he's back? And one would show, like, how they really feel about that whole situation. I mean, what do you guys, how are you piecing this together? Like, was this, did Disney ever actually fire James Gunn? Like, we were talking last fall about, like, they were hashing out a severance agreement and that he was going to kind of get paid to go away. But then this seems to suggest that they've been, they said, uh, the other thing that's come out is they never seriously looked at anybody else to direct. Is your take that Disney basically did a big charade on this and pretended to fire him only to pretend to rehire him just to be past, like, the Roseanne stink that they had on their hands? Or was there a legitimate change of heart, but they've known it for a while? Like, this seems all very odd. What do you think happened? (laughs) I mean, there's, like, a third option where they called it a firing and it was more like an administrative leave, like when a teacher or police officer or government official is being investigated and they're like, okay, we're, we're not, you know, like this person's not totally gone, but they're not getting paid and they're not coming to the office while we look into this. Um, and I mean, because obviously you don't do that with a director on a movie. They called, you know, they said he was off of it, but maybe it was just sort of, hey, you're fired while we investigate this, but we are investigating it. Yeah, we are looking into it and deciding how we really feel. I don't think he was secretly hired. You know, I don't think they, like, made a bunch of news about, oh, you're fired. You know, I don't think they released news that James Gunn was fired while really he was on the payroll for the past eight months. I think there probably was some official serious separation of him and Disney. Enough that he went and you know, got the Suicide Squad job and then things were evaluated. I mean, maybe Disney was out doing polling, you know, doing market research, seeing how much this would truly impact them. You know, I wouldn't be surprised how much stuff went behind the scenes. You know, would you go see a blockbuster movie if you knew the 
director had made jokes like this or even something like that. I mean, you know they have to be doing things like that behind the scenes. And maybe they just did the research and found it won't matter. I would be real interested because we don't know the time frame. I'm suspicious that they had gone back on board, at least in their minds and in Gunn's mind, before he took the Suicide Squad job. I mean, I it, it could be wrong, but the way that this is talked about, it sounds like for months Disney has known they were going to do this. It's just we're finally finding out about it. Right. And maybe that was part of his Suicide Squad negotiations. Like, hey, I can do this, but we have to do it right now. It's pretty telling that they waited till the uh, merger was in the bag, too. Um, maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe it's not. Um, but how would this affect the merger? Oh, bad PR. I did find it interesting. I don't know if it means anything, but Nat Geo, who had suspended Neil deGrasse Tyson because of allegations against him, who is part of this Fox Disney deal, also reinstated him yesterday afternoon. I saw that. And it was so, almost like they were um, like, oh, wait a minute. People are distracted by James Gunn. Oh, we're reinstating him. We're done. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't like to get political on here, but there is an aspect of all of this that, you know, James Gunn specifically, I don't know a whole lot about the Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson, but it was Twitter outrage that that alerted, that prompted all of this to be elevated. And there has been a lot of effort over the past year or two to determine the source of Twitter accounts and stuff. And perhaps it was learned that this outrage was manufactured. And that, it, or or maybe even intentionally, like, of ill intent, you know, maybe they determined that it was Russian bots that did a lot of this, or, you know, that it was people intentionally trying to manipulate Disney. And, you know, and, and perhaps similar situations. Perhaps there was intelligence that was conveyed to these corporations that made them change their minds. Well, and it's, the timing doesn't work great for this kind of a conspiracy theory, but it it is fascinating to me that within seven days of Disney learning that Twitter outrage isn't real. I mean, cause this is a lot of what Captain Marvel had, right? There was all this talk on social media about boycotting Captain Marvel and the Alita challenge and all this other stuff. There was all this talk and smoke about trying to destroy that movie. And then they turned around and it looks like they're marching their way to a billion dollars. And you just have to wonder if this was the final push where Disney goes, oh, Twitter's not real. Like these, you know, when people get all angry on Twitter, it's not a real thing. We can continue to just spit in the face of the vitriol on social media and nobody will care and we'll still make lots of money. I don't think that's how it went down, but it's fascinating to make this decision given its context within a week of releasing Captain Marvel and seeing what happened around the context of that film. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a decision. You know, like we said, we we all think the decision was made earlier. And I don't think it's as cut and dry as that appears, but I think it does point towards them monitoring that sort of thing. Or, you know, or them having a distinct knowledge of the value of that sort of thing. I want someone to ask Kevin Feige the same exact question before about Gunn's influence on properties because i wonder if kev would say the same thing you know 
Yeah, particularly because, I mean, Feige really kind of, I felt like threw him under the bus a couple weeks ago. He's like, oh, all that right. stuff about Gunn and, you know, the cosmic stuff is really overblown. I mean, at least that's not what Gunn thought, you know, through his live Q&As and such, which I believe were something that were greenlit by Marvel Studios, right? I was going to say, now we can get the Ravagers movie. Now we can get a James Gunn Nova movie. If he wants to stick around. I mean, maybe maybe he's coming to do this and there's a sour taste in his mouth. Yeah, maybe he's not going to be involved in all the cosmic stuff like he may have been before. But he really, really wanted to finish his trilogy. Really wanted to make the movie that he had started. So maybe he's doing this as his last hurrah and then peacefully walking away what i kind of love about the way this has happened is it for people who be like well there should be consequences for the things you did like this there were consequences like this whole situation the way it's unraveled you can't say that gun and disney did not pay a price for his tweets and what happened but you also it doesn't have to be like this fatal final price like i almost like the way this solution said we take these tweets really seriously and they're going to be repercussions, but also not, we're going to take it so seriously that we can't make this movie. I, I'm fascinated by the way it kind of came out in the middle, you know? And I mean, like, Gunn's the clear winner in this scenario. I, I mean, he technically just, like, there had to be, like, severance pay or something involved, right? Like a settlement? I'd love to know that. So now that... <laughs> So now that he's hired back as a director, so that was just kind of like yeah, he a bonus. Gets, he gets but, a severance hey. package and a signing <laughs> bonus. That would be amazing. Right. So, I mean, the other, I I mean, they're, the Roseanne thing's another part of the outrage. Well, that's a whole different monster. That's, that's not even the same thing. But I would guess we're going to start seeing petitions and things of that nature. Twitch, I can block everyone on Twitter. I've been on a blocking streak as of late. And you've mentioned, Adam, I think already on social media, with this happening near the Fox deal, Gunn can do so much now. Like, if they want the Shi'ar and Gladiator to, like, show up in Guardians 3, that'll totally be possible. Like, if they want to do an end credit scene with, like, Star-Lord drinking a beer with Kosar at a bar somewhere in the middle of, you know a planet that's overrun by the Badoon or something, you know, like there's just so many options right, that right. are available to him with this Fox deal. Uh, you know, like silver surfer could now be in play if they wanted it to, like, Oh, it's just so cool to me that they can open the toy box for James Gunn. And I think that's a huge win as well. Absolutely. There had, obviously there were the rumors that there was a certain character included in volume one that didn't make the cut. And there were additional rumors that there's a certain group supposedly introduced at the end of Volume 3. Which that certain group would look a lot better with Fox characters. Um, so that's that's why the timing is, is, you know, chef's kiss. Perfect. What's stopping him from changing, you know, changing the script? Especially like post-credit stingers or, or something of that. This could be a blessing in disguise in that the cameras would be rolling by now on Volume 3 if this had not happened. And so the script would be kind of locked in. This bought them time where they can now use the Fox stuff, which I think is 
interesting. This was originally supposed to be like the May date next year, right? Yeah, we think so. All right, let's jump into the news. Uh, I think the first thing I'm going to lead with, there was uh, news this week that there is going to be a very unusual show coming to Disney+. Plus. Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige are going to produce an animated what-if show that will potentially feature the voice actor or the cast of the main MCU voice acting uh, stories. If you guys don't know what What If is, it's a comic book that just asks questions like, what if Loki is the one who had found Mjolnir? Or uh, Gwen Stacy is like a giant what if. What if the uh, spider had bitten a different classmate instead of Peter or stuff like that? Adam, do you have any thoughts on this series? I mean, is this something that gets you excited? Yeah. Uh, kind of. I don't know. So so the first thing, and we discussed this on Twitter, the first thing this tells me is that it's anything on Disney Plus is essentially Marvel Studios. So as, as Slash Film put it, this might draw from MCU canon, but it is non-canon. Of course, it's what if, so it's going to be a bunch of bizarre scenarios in, in the voice. Te- Did you discuss how it was animated too, right? I think I said that, yeah. So it's it's not MCU, um, but it's still being produced by Kevin Feige, which pretty much tells me that you know anything that touches Disney Plus will be Marvel Studios produced, and I, they could virtually do anything they wanted. Obviously, there's been dozens and dozens and dozens of what if comics, uh, most of which have to do with X Men and mutants and Spider Menses. And which brings up another good point. Um, they can do whatever they want with the Spider-Man mythos, I would guess. Um, free reign from Sony since it's not live action. Oh, um, but Sony would be mad about that, I'd think, because Sony's planning like 8 billion Spider-Man shows, right? We should put that in the news in a minute, but yeah. But no, uh, because Marvel still has a running Spider-Man series, right? Like Ultimate Spider-Man or something like that. Like yeah. a Disney MC show or, or something like that, but they they could take it in so many different directions. Like we we discussed, you know, this certainly could be the launch platform for an actual in canon series. You know, if they can lock down some of the people to come back and do voice talents. You know, obviously we didn't think Tom Hiddleston was going to come back and do a series, but he did. So that leads me to believe, you know, like. Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie would most certainly do a voice role. And who knows? I mean, I would guess there there's no there hasn't been anything on length or or seasons, you know, is this will probably be, you know, a six to eight episode thing and it's an anthology series. So I don't know, yeah, I'll, of course I'll watch it. One of those things that nobody expected and it's kind of bewildering because it's that whole non MCU layer of mystery. I love the idea. I described it to a friend today. I was sharing the news, trying to explain it. And I just very quickly went, Marvel's decided to write their own fan fiction. They can just tell whatever story they want. They don't, it doesn't matter if it matches the universe or whatever. And that was like one of the first things when I started reading comics, you, you go a little ways and yeah, you know, the characters still got the same history. There's maybe some stuff that's really good continuity, but every now and then they just throw in a comic that's just like, Blah! here's this character doing something completely different that we just really wanted to tell you the story it doesn't fit with all the other stuff so here it is i think 
be interesting to see how that conveys to TV. It'll be interesting to see how that's received on TV. And I think the what if title and everything is a really good way of conveying that, you know, like this isn't Spider-Man's life. This is a story of what if, you know, Aunt May got bit by the spider. This isn't, you know, Iron Man's life. This is a story of he was stuck in Antarctica instead of a desert. So I, I'm excited about it. I'm really interested to see uh, the animation style and how good it looks. Because this is one of the things that I've somewhat struggled with with some of the stuff. Like, Adam, you've mentioned a lot of, like, Disney XD cartoons and stuff that already exist for Marvel. I've never loved any of the animation coming out of that stuff. I mean, I just generally, like, I've been watching the Secret Warriors, uh, Marvel Rising stuff. And it's just, it's really crummy animation a lot. I just don't feel like they put a lot into it. I'm sure this will be a higher level. Um, but that's a that's a big thing to me if I'm going to get into an animated series if I like the way it looks. All right. Uh, we'll go on to... We've got a director for Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. Uh, apparently, they've asked Destin Daniel Cretton to uh, direct that movie. Uh, have either of you guys ever heard of this guy? We're the worst at this stuff regardless and i don't think he's done much so any thoughts on this uh new director for shang chi or what it means for that project i actually looked him up this time and he has like nothing to his name i mean a few movies all with brie larson so i think uh captain marvel in shang chi obviously but I've never seen any of those movies that he's directed. And it's a very interesting, I mean, you know, I mean, Marvel's doing a great job of pulling these, you know, these behind the scenes folks that have very little big movie experience and giving them this realm. Um, And obviously they were reaching hard, you know, they were, they prioritized having an Asian director. So good for them. The, uh, yeah, that one movie he did. um, I mean, that was before there were several, several people in it that are now huge. There was uh, Brie Larson was in it. Rami Malek was in it. Um, Stephanie Beatrice was in it. Who else was in it? There were a couple more people. Um, maybe Michael B. Jordan. He, Michael B. Yeah, Jordan's been yeah. in a couple of his things. I know he's him and Brie Larson are in the one he's doing now or will shortly be doing. So I guess this is kind of largely in part a uh, word of mouth type deal. But it falls in with her M.O. You know, the uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Flick's last movie made, like, what was it, $150,000 at the box office? So, I mean, Marvel Studios has no worries, you know, in terms of box office when it comes to Shang-Chi. Do whatever I would guess for Shang-Chi, they're going to uh, find kind of an indie star. Um, And then whoever... Shang-Chi goes up against his probably going to be an A-lister, as the usual. Now, do you think they'll go with the unknown, or do you think they'll go with someone who's huge in China that we've just never heard of? They could do that. But, I, I mean, that's t- that's kind of the same thing. Um, right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, I think the Chinese box office is a huge... When you look at... I, I haven't looked at... Captain Marvel is going to make, like, what, $100, $150 million in China? They have got to be looking at it and thinking if they do this right, that this movie could make a quarter of a billion dollars in China alone, given the love that there's already in that country for Marvel stuff and that they made a character that was kind of more based in the territory. I think it's it's it, they could make a lot of cash with it. You don't think it's Lois Tan? 
No, I'm, I'm guessing it's not him, but that would be interesting. There were some other uh, directors that are apparently in the running. Uh, Dear White People's Justin Tipping, Master of Nuns Alan Yang, uh, a guy named John Cho, who made a movie recently called Tiger Tail, and then someone we've seen in the MCU before, Deborah Chow, who has done um, Jessica Jones episodes, also is doing a Mandalorian episode for Disney+. Plus. Uh, the only other one I had in my mind, and I don't know if you'd be interested, is... Uh, there's a guy named Hiro Murray or Murai. I'm not sure how to say it. He does a lot of Atl- Atlanta episodes. Mm. And I would have loved to see him in it. He's Japanese. And so I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how Marvel treats this. Like if they're going to specifically want a very sort of Chinese and Chinese American base to everybody involved in this. Or if it's going to be a little more kind of. And Asian cast and crew. Um, certainly when they did Black Panther, it seems like there was a variety of people who were both African and African-American and not specifically from one country. But I also found as more of a fictional place, whereas Shang-Chi is actually a, is from China, I believe. Is that right? Did you say John Cho was on the short list? Like these John Cho, like Carolyn Kumar, John Cho, and Star Trek, John Cho? I don't know. I mean, the list just says... Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I misread this. Alan Yang is making a movie with John Cho. I misread oh, that. I read it too quick. Sorry. Like, why would they pass John Cho off? Okay. I know. I was like, I recognize that name, but why would I recognize that name? Remind me, Adam, is, is Shang-Chi specifically Chinese, or is he from some kind of fictional country in the, in the Marvel Universe? I, I believe he is Chinese. I'm not for sure, for certain, for certain. Um, they are going to have to heavily tweak the, uh, I won't say origin, but the uh, kind of beginning runs of Shang-Chi. Because yeah. obviously uh, the villain's not going to be his dad that's called Fu Manchu. Um, I would guess they probably change that. Yeah, I'm interested. I mean, I haven't thought about till this conversation that you know Wakanda is kind of a place that can be kind of a melting pot of all kinds of African cultures. That certainly happened with the um, costume design, but it may be a little more difficult for them. You know, like if they make it a generic Asian country that's like a little bit of several Asian countries, I could see that being something that might be problematic too. So it does seem to confirm that this movie is going to come to us in 2022. Uh, I think that's the right. No, 2021. This is the next kind of, they're clearly getting the things geared up. I don't think that there's anybody else, uh, anything else that's produced enough that they could put in that next slot. So. All right, we mentioned this just a second ago. Uh, Spider-Man, Sony was talking to Variety. Sony Picture Entertainment Chairman uh, Tony Vinsequera. I have no idea how to say his name. Uh, and t- uh, Sony Television Chairman Mike Hopkins have revealed that they have, quote, seven or eight years, quote, of film and TV shows for Spider-Man and the Spider-Man properties they have. That said, our television group will have its own set of characters from within the universe that we seek to develop. There's also talk about, obviously, Morbius and a sequel to Venom, along with some other rumored projects. They have 900 Spider-Man adjacent characters that they can work with. We're developing a lot of Marvel-related content. I think it will be out in the market very soon with something really, really big and transformational for us because we've not done any shows with Marvel before, with Marvel IP, 
So that's a big piece of development we're into. I think we aspire to have several shows in the universe that we create that can pollinate between each other and work with a partner to make that happen. Rhiannon, do you trust Sony at this point? I mean, they did Venom, which Adam likes, and then we got Spider-Verse. Um, I liked Venom. You, you thought Venom was okay. Yeah, I liked Venom. Do you trust them enough to do seven to eight years of an interconnected film TV universe? Um, I mean, the thing with the Spider-Verse stuff is it could be connected, but it doesn't have... It could be connected, but you could give them breaks for continuity. Anybody trying to do anything with continuity after Into the Spider-Verse, because there were so many little details, would be hard. But if you're working in that similar universe, you could always write everything off as being, oh, well, you know, this is a slightly different universe. I don't know. I mean, let's see. You know, it's like lightning in a bottle. You know, Spider-Verse was amazing. I mean, Venom was a movie that was enjoyable. But Spider-Verse was amazing. So, like, on the animated side, I'd be interested to see what comes next. And on the Venom side, I feel like there's a market out there for just average movies that can have flaws that people can just show up to. There's probably going to be a big void from the X-Men universe that's going to be there for people that don't really care about the continuity and they don't want to feel like they need to see 10 movies before going in and they'll show up. Right. The, the thing that got me uh, was the cross pollinate comment um, because these shared universes on TV are totally plausible. And I've said it time and time again, I have no idea why Marvel hasn't completely done it. Obviously they, they scratched the surface um with it on uh the defenders verse kind of sort of um but i mean you look at the Arrowverse, and it's it's hugely interconnected you you could be watching um you know the 17th episode of the season and someone from arrow is going to show up in flash because the story makes organic sense um it, it's that type of shared universe and obviously with with the CW, all of those shows are, are filmed in the same location and such, so it's easy that way. But but if they're doing it, it there's no reason uh, Marvel and ABC can't do that or Sony and whoever Sony gets as a partner. And obviously, maybe they won't be super critically acclaimed and award-winning and Emmy-winning and Oscar-winning or Grammy-winning. Um but they'll, they'll be watchable. I mean, most of the Arrowverse is watchable, kind of. Um, I'll watch it. Um, as well, I mean, like, the past two properties that they've released, I've loved. So this news doesn't bother me as much. Obviously, they've kind of cooled down on announcing properties or letting those properties leak like Nightwatch and Silver Sable and that stuff. Um, but between Venom and um, Spider-Verse, I mean, that's a hell of a start um, to something bigger. Obviously, it certainly helped their uh, egos, I guess, their decision-making capabilities. Um, so why not? Might as well give it a try. Especially that we're uh, we're dwindling down on uh, Marvel TV shows, anyways. I don't know. No one other than Kevin Feige has said, "Hey, we're going to do." S- uh, we've plotted eight years of movies, and that's ever worked out well. I mean, I know they're trying to mimic the MCU model, 
which is nobody's done it. DC tried to do a big, you know, uh, tried to plot out the future like that and work out. Sony has made this mistake at least once, if not twice before with the Aunt May movie and the Sinister Six spinoff and all that stuff that they couldn't get off the ground. Universal's tried to do a monster universe three times now and had to scrap the plans every time. And so I'm just, I'm just skeptical because I haven't seen anybody other than Feige do it. And that's, it's so bizarre. None of these other production houses have a central body of sorts. You know, who, who can name the decision maker at DC films? You know, I mean, he's kind of sort of Jeff Johns, but then it's not because he moved into a different role. Uh, you know, yeah. the Monsters verse. Who's the point person on Monsters verse? Um, the Dark Universe or whatever Tom Cruise was supposed to do. You know, it's I don't know why. I mean, if they gave Phil Lord and Chris Miller a Sony universe like of Marvel characters, I'm all for it. I'm all in. You know, if they gave someone that's proven themselves even like at dc jeff johns knows how to write stuff so so it's i mean everything starts at the top i mean if you have at least a person that that knows the ropes and can put the right people in place you know do it i i think you know that's what feige you know that's at least what i get from feige i don't want to call him a control freak um but i get the sense that he knows what he wants and it just so happens to make a whole crap ton of money and it didn't happen overnight either. I mean, look at the returns of the the Phase One movies. You know, yeah. Um, you you have to get through that before you get the you know gazillion dollar movies. Um, yeah, Captain Marvel's already made more money than Iron Man. Like that's kind of hard right. to imagine, but th- that's all. You know, it's that's happened in whatever six days. Wasn't one of the movies made like fifty million right domestically? Did I read that right? Uh, they have crazy uh, low numbers. Most of them have uh, very low numbers. Yeah. Incredible Hulk was only like, I forget, it's, it, it was not much domestically. So The other thing this really confuses me on is how the contract with Sony works. Because we knew kind of how the Fox deal worked. That if they wanted to make an X-Men show, they had to cooperate with Jeff Loeb. So like Fox had some of the TV rights. And that's thus the Gifted and Legion being on Fox and FX. But they still had to cooperate with Marvel Television and and Loeb. And it makes me wonder if Sony has the rights to do whatever the heck they want. Like, do they have to call up Loeb? Like, is Jeff Loeb going to be involved in these TV plans or not? Will there be any preference for maybe ABC to do some of this Spidey stuff? Is it going to be a problem if they want to do it on Netflix and Marvel and Netflix don't get along? Like, there's all of these weird legal questions that are in the back of my head that probably the average person doesn't care about, but Oh, let's talk about captain Marvel for just a minute. As we mentioned, uh, it's making lots and lots and lots and lots of money. I don't think there's too much to say about it. Uh, I mean, there's obviously lots of little articles about tiny, uh, things that we've learned about the filming process and different decisions they made and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the big takeaway is just that it's, doing super well and it's it looks like it's got a good shot of making a billion dollars at the rate it's going assuming it has any kind of legs so any thoughts on captain marvel's box office or any of that also i guess uh let's just take the time now like 
you guys want to have any more reflections on Captain Marvel now that we're another five or six days out? Rhiannon, you said you were finding the criticism of it interesting. Uh, yeah, no. So I'm absolutely infatuated is maybe the right word with all of the criticism of Captain Marvel. And I played this new game where somebody criticizes it and I either compare it to like criticism of my own professional career or criticize uh, criticism of women in politics. It's really interesting because you have this, um, this movie starring a woman in a male world. I mean, in general, um, when we look at the Marvel movies and I've seen people like, yes, I know Katniss Everdeen led movies and made tons of money. And I know Wonder Woman exists and had a movie that was very well received. But let's just say in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is the first lady with her own movie. And yes, I know the Wasp exists. And it's just been interesting because most of the things that you can criticize her about show just sort of how people nitpick women in strong roles and stuff anyways i and and so that's just sort of like the new approach i just sort of like in my head or or sometimes not just in my head uh when people are criticizing her i'm like yeah that's like a criticism all women get um or you know yeah that's like a criticism that you see with women in the workplace all the time you know she we touched on it last week with it not having a consistent tone um with, with there being stuff like that. Um, I've really just sort of been enjoying the extreme feminist approach of looking at Captain Marvel. And so I'm kind of enjoying seeing people spew their negativity towards it. Cause I can just be like, yeah, yeah. See, look what women put up with. So you did say something that I want to reflect. Wasp was by and large, the best part of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. She is not the problem I have with Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just wanted to get that out there on the table. I actually bought a Wasp toy. So I I mean, and we talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like my problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp has nothing to do with her either. See, I'm not I haven't seen all too much criticism. Um I haven't seen much but, criticism. I've seen a lot of nitpicking. Right, right. Um I've, I mean, I've seen friends share memes on Facebook and then they said, oh, I haven't seen the movie, but I thought this was funny. So it's that type of stuff. It's kind of blatant. People be people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I'm not and I'm not saying these criticisms are wrong or right or anything. I'm just kind of enjoying them and trying to find universal themes with them. And maybe one time out of three or four sharing that universal theme that I see. Um, with either the person making the comment or just, you know, whoever's sitting near me at the time or whatever. Um, Also, um, my people be people comment was not to enable sexist, misogynistic pigs. It was just people (laughs) sharing memes. If you're a blatant sexist idiot, I'll block you on Twitter. So don't do not quote me on Twitter for saying I enabled you because that is not the case. (laughs) And that's kind of always been our Marvel News Desk policy. If you're yeah. if you're a sexist, racist, whatever, we're going to block you from our pages. 
<laughs> we will. We don't care enough about what we do to care about any lost, view- you know, like yeah. a lost viewer is not going to shake us up. So right. it is interesting. You guys mentioned Wasp. Is there a character that's been more like, I really do feel for Wasp fans because they wanted her to be an Ant-Man and they never put her in the suit the whole movie. She finally, and then they skip her in Civil War, and I understand why. Then she comes into Ant-Man and the Wasp, and like finally they get the original Wasp back, and then they dust them both. Like right. The Russos have tried to make sure that every hero had a role in either Infinity War or Endgame, except for Wasp. She had nothing to do in Infinity War, and she's dusted by the time we start Endgame. Right, and she's one of the original Avengers. Um, and I don't what Spider-Man wasn't an actual Avenger until I think Bendis, right? Because that was like the longest running joke how Spider-Man was never an official Avenger until Bendis had made that super group that Caleb absolutely adores. But it's only alright in reality. She's in Endgame, right? Like that's confirmed. She's I can't dusted, remember. Adam. She's dusted. Oh yeah, right. Those people are we'll gone. get to that in a minute. I have all sorts of questions along those lines that I think are I'm not sure about. Uh, there's only one or two other news things. Um, I'm not sure if this is even that much of news. Scott Derrickson posted a picture of Doctor Strange underwater from a comic book, and then uh, with Namor, and then like immediately deleted it. Uh, do we actually think this means that Namor is going to be in the movie? And if you don't think it is, why did he delete it? Huh? What's the, what's the conspiracy theory here with Scott Derrickson and Namor? I, I know exactly what went down. You want the inside scoop? Yes. Yeah. I would guess some person on the marketing team at Disney goes, Hey Scott, we need you to tweet this really quick. And then right after you tweet it, we need you to delete it just so we can get some publicity out of it. Um, is Disney that desperate for publicity? Yes, they're reposting desperate. They're reposting Endgame trailers to the Agent Carter Twitter. Apparently I saw that they're willing to try anything. Really? <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like the first Agent Carter post since like 2017. At least on Facebook, I think they shared one other thing. I'm like, Are there uh, like Agent Carter fans out there that haven't followed anything else in the MCU, and they're like, oh? Crap! We didn't know these things existed. <laughs> it's possible. I had somebody it's like, it makes sense, man. Her voice is in the trailer, so of course it was on her thing. And I was like, okay, never mind. I'm, I'm not even dealing with this. Her whole funeral right. was in Civil War. Did they post did they post Civil War stuff to anyways? No. I mean, if if, if the Agent Carter Yeah, anyways. Okay. I could see you think Jeff charged Kevin for like the social space? Oh, yeah, you you want to use the Agent Carter social media? You have to give me Namor. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. He didn't look like Triton. I'm guessing with Derrickson that he just I don't know. He just posted a picture of a cool looking Doctor Strange thing, or maybe he was reading a Doctor Strange right. story. But I don't think every time Derrickson posts a lot of Doctor Strange stuff. I don't think right. every image he puts up is from a comic book that he's planning to adapt. Just seems like a little bit of overreach to me. If Namor premieres in the MCU in a movie other than his own, it's going to be Black Panther. I'll bet $10 on it. 
I was thinking I'd like to get odds for uh, Namor appearing in an MCU movie in 2021 because both Black Panther 2 and Doctor Strange 2 should come out that year. So uh, one way or the other, it's it seems to be good. All right, last bit of news. Disney is setting, uh, I believe it looks like March 20th will be the final closing date for the 21st Century Fox acquisition. Yay. Oh my gosh, that's uh, next week. It is. There is still some hope from Noah Hawley that maybe Doctor Doom could still happen. Apparently him and Kevin Feige talked about it at a party or something. Any thoughts on these news stories before we finish out the news? All right. So Noah, listen, oh man, the last writer that openly um, talked about the property before they were hired is we're pretty sure he's not working on the script. Or he's working on the script, but it's not for sure in the case of Doctor Strange, too. Um, and I would absolutely love to see your Doctor Doom movie, so please don't mention anything else. Um, <laughs> like, Noah, shut up, because we want to see what right. you're creating. Yeah. I, think it, it would be, I think it would be brilliant. There was like a plot, right? Yeah, so he's going to put, he wanted to put a dome over Latveria, and then he was going to invite a female journalist to act as his ambassador or, or public tweeter because um, I would guess Victor Von Doom doesn't have Twitter. He might. But, I mean, that it, going the Doctor Doom route probably makes sense at this point, right? After three Fantastic Four movies? Maybe? I, I, yeah, I thought I mean, Doom was a great route. I still feel like you do a Fantastic Four movie with Mole Man or Namor or right. somebody other than Doom and then you do a Doom movie separate and then you bring them together. That would be good. Right, because I mean, Doom's like, do you want to call him like an Omega level villain? You know, it's like Doom and Thanos and Galactic, um, and not many other villains stand out besides yeah, and Magneto. And Magneto, true. Well, let's get to the thing we really want to do, anyways. Let's talk about the Endgame trailer. So we are thankfully recording. We recorded a little bit later this week, and we got lucky because uh, the Endgame trailer hit this morning. Uh, it's the, I'm assuming final trailer we'll get. It's only like six weeks to release. By the way, when are they putting these tickets on sale? Has anybody seen this? Um, they had said April 2nd. Um, but the person that also said April 2nd said the trailer would have been April 2nd. But this is the timeline trailer track. If you guys follow trailer track on Twitter and stuff, they did say it would drop between the 10th and 17th. They said tickets would be out April 2nd. Which is absolutely bizarre. I mean, six weeks before the movie for the trailer seems just right. And April 2nd. Does that seem late to you? That seems really late. Because Captain Marvel went on sale two whole months. Like, I bought my tickets January 7th. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I mean, this trailer starts out. Lots of flashbacks. Um, there still doesn't seem to be a whole lot of footage from this movie and these trailers. If we're honest about it, there's a lot of... There's about as much footage from Iron Man 3 as there is from Endgame. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but uh, what did you guys think of the trailer? And we'll start to pick apart all these pieces that we've been talking about all day. I think it was torture where it came out right as I sat down. I had like a series of three meetings this morning that I had to run from one to one to the other. And it came out like the minute I sat down in one. That was torture. Thank you, Feige. You jerk. That's a pretty loaded question. What, What did you say? What do you think of the Endgame trailer? Yeah, I'm not sure if I know how to answer that. Awesome, heartbreaking, uh, terrifying, um, breathtaking. More questions. 
more questions than answers for me. So, so the one thing I have, so they're saying like only 10 or 20 minutes have been shown. But even if you take out the black and white parts from other movies, we still have nearly five minutes of footage-ish. Four, three, say four minutes of footage. There is no way these clips and their corresponding scenes are less than 10 or 20 minutes of the movie. I think sure. Right? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I think it won't take any time at all. I'm telling, we talked last week about Captain Marvel bringing the band back together. I think it'll take no time at all for her to, you know, in movie time. I mean, I think we're going to get a little bit of, you know, post snapshot world. We're going to get Captain Marvel responding to the beeper. We're going to get like a montage of her out there for the five people that haven't seen her movie. And, and we're going to have everybody back together. And then somehow... Ant-Man's going to show up. Is that the biggest mystery at this point? Is that the biggest mystery at this point? Yeah, I think it's going to be a jam-packed 20 minutes. So, I mean, they said something similar with Infinity War, right? I mean, at this point, we know... Okay, let's let's get to the bigger issue. At this point, we know Marvel are a bunch of liars. Right. I mean, (laughs) you know, like... I mean, seriously, I think this is worth discussing, that we know at this point that they have flat-out given incorrect information and that's that's why i'm saying that's why i'm saying i don't think i think they want us to think it's going to be in the first 20 minutes but the stuff you just describing cap getting all dirty and ant-man climbing around the pencil eraser and black i I think you could be right about i think you could be right about those two scenes cap with the shield and ant-man with the pencil and but i think those two Scenes are approximately seven seconds of the three trailers put together. Even even Hawkeye's backstory. No, I think that I happens. Mean, I think that happens while we're seeing the post snapshot world and we're seeing why he's out there being Ronan. Or even when they're explaining to Captain Marvel, or yeah, when they're explaining to Carol where he's been, why he wasn't around with them. You know, I I think bringing Carol in gives a lot of chance for these people to give their backstories a little bit without it seeming too redundant or backstory-ish and to fill in some of those gaps. I wouldn't put past the Russos. Marvel credits roll. The first scene is Hawkeye teaching his daughter how to use a bow and arrow and then boom, snap them right there. Like it wouldn't surprise me. That's the first 30 seconds of the movie just to give you a nice gut punch to like start the thing out. Okay, but then they're still sustained. I don't know. See, I just, I mean, they showed us the second to last scene of Infinity War in the teaser, right? So, I mean, Cap, that, I mean, that could very well be the scene Cap dies. They're like, oh, they wouldn't put it in the poster or the trailer, but they have before. I mean, they put the second after Spider-Man dusted in the right. Infinity War teaser trailer. Nobody knows. I mean, anything, literally anything's possible. We did have one person we know tell us that everything was going to be from the first 18 minutes of the movie in the mm-hmm. trailers. And then I heard another podcast say that they had a source that told them the Russo brothers cut eight minutes out of the movie and gave it to the marketing department and didn't let them look at anything else, yeah. which I thought was interesting. I don't know if it's true, but I thought it was interesting. I mean, we should make notice that Endgame is complete. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's How done. Endgame is in the can. 
So, uh, what'd you guys think about the flashback footage, the black and white with the flares of red? Like, did it set a good tone for you, or was it just kind of boring to see scenes from movies you've already seen? It set a tone, like, okay, so when I was watching it, like, in a break room on my phone, it didn't have that much of an impact. But when I was able to watch it on a larger screen and really take it in, it was beautiful. I mean, I don't know ultimately how I feel, like, after this this trailer to me it didn't because it had so much flashbacking i felt like i was watching charles villanueva's like supercut rather than a trailer for the movie but it was beautiful which speaks to the quality of charles's work are we sure he didn't make this like we don't know we haven't asked him yet. <laughs> you know that's true that's true well, no, we haven't but, directly I mean, asked but i know he was a little upset because he was totally planning to use like that peggy carter voiceover and and doing something yeah. similar like he's had to go back and edit his Endgame supercut because of what was in this trailer. Yeah, it looked too much like the trailer, and people think he's copying off of it. They didn't know he made it ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, so, Adam, I know you were really pumped about some rocket stuff. Uh, that scene of rocket oh, hanging off the war machine. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, yeah. it looks so good. It's going to be so good. And he has Bucky's goggles. You get to catch that? Oh, that's Bucky's I mean, goggles. He's got Bucky's Winter Soldier goggles on. Oh. No doubt about it. I am fairly confident those are Bucky's goggles. OG, I mean, I love the Abnett landing stuff to death. It's I'm, I have a huge bias against those comics, and they and they took Rocket's costume straight from that run, um, and it looks great. It's yet another completely different color palette. It's it's dark and dreary, but it's hopeful and stuff it's like i mean the cast scene looks like they're fighting at like dawn or something like everything's just burnt to hell around them but the sun's rising and they're still fighting it's i mean the cinematography looks super dope um so much different than in in, or infinity war too you know it's not all orangey and stuff of that nature um but rocket rockets i mean Rocket's going to save the universe. Who are we kidding? They did wait for this trailer in part for Captain Marvel to release, I think. I mean, this trailer always had to have Captain Marvel, so that's probably why it came at this point. Uh, Let's have this conversation. Rihanna, we talked a little bit about the makeup on Carol Danvers. Apparently, this is really bothering some people that she seems to have lipstick on. Uh, What did you think of this? Given your new interest in the critiques of, of... Captain Marvel. No, I I mean, I, you know, you brought up the point of the context will matter. You know, before Captain Marvel, I was talking about the beachy curls that my friend pointed out that she had a hairstyle of today and it takes place in the 90s. And that didn't bother me so much in the movie because, like, she wasn't coming from today America. She wasn't coming from 90s America. She was coming from another planet where let's just say they have beachy curls year round or, you know, they've had them forever. Um, Babe. you know, her having on the makeup, it could be that they had some, you know, I don't know, maybe her and Natasha were having a, you know, girls night and got done up. Maybe it will be explained, but that does like hit on. I actually like watching even just network television these days is weird because you see so much like women and unnatural makeup. Whereas on Netflix and stuff, I don't feel like you get as much of that. They're more willing to let their women be gritty. I wasn't the one that originally brought it up. But, oh, no, Adam brought it up that people were complaining about it. Um, It's not something I would have brought up, but 
I will defend being irritated by it because it's one of those things that takes me out of the story. So it'll depend on the story. Um, like Runaways, Nico having her whole whatever goth makeup thing as they're like living on the streets. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> that really, really bothered me. So if it's a situation like that where like they're trying to undo the apocalypse and she looks glammed up. Like, more than Brie Larson looks on a regular basis when she's at glam-up events. That will be bothersome. I went back and watched it. She's also wearing black leather pants and, like, a dressy yeah. top, I guess, or something like that. Like, it looks like she was out dancing or something. Like, it looks like she's not dressed to just be hanging out in Avengers, you know, headquarters. Right, right. I mean, she didn't show that much arm in all of Captain Marvel. So hopefully they give it a reason. Maybe she and Thor were, like, hitting it on. And they were having, like, a little date. Oh, if you want to see Twitter crumble to pieces, just introduce that. Good lord. Um, No, the theory right now is that Thor is interested in her because he wants to set her up with Valkyrie. Twitter is already a fire with that. Let's talk about, we tried to sketch out the time frame of this movie a little bit. And I feel like... Uh, do you guys know what dendrochronology is? Where you try to like date stuff based on trees? Based on trees, yeah. I know what dendro is, and I know what chronology is. So yeah, so there... like sometimes archaeologists take like tree, like tree stumps that they find in an archaeological layer, and they count the rings and they count it and compare it. Well, you can compare even trees that aren't the same tree and wood, and um, if they have similar gaps like they have a really big gap mm-hmm. and then three smaller ones and then a medium one it you can line up the seasons mm-hmm. anyway this you is what we're doing with black about... widow's hair oh go ahead <laughs> they're doing that with black widow's hair. i thought that was where you were going yes okay <laughs> yeah because like i feel like this movie we're dating it by black widow's hair we mm-hmm. know that very early on like captain marvel comes back and she's still got the really short blonde hair and then later it gets a little bit longer and then there's like the red hair, but it's got the blonde tips. It seems like there's a lot of time passing in the various footage we have from when Carol first shows up and then eventually Ant-Man gets thrown into the mix. And at some point they go to get Clint. I mean, time frame wise, I guess, let me put it this way. I think we know Carol's first. Are we thinking it's Carol and then Hawkeye and then ant-man and then iron man and nebula like is that the sequence at which those people all get put back together into the team it's almost as if we need more than 20 minutes to get this all started no no if we spend an hour getting the band back together adam i will be pissed it's a three-hour movie i'm just putting that out there if there is a whole hour of them just getting the band back together where's hawkeye i don't know maybe he's over here maybe he's oh my gosh he's in japan can we get a first class flight or can we take a quinja no (laughs) just bring them back together and get on to the i mean how i mean do you know like we have to see the world i mean are we are they just going to show us cap in the support group and we're gonna be like oh man everything sucks he's at a support group i mean if i mean we've already accepted that i'm an apocalypse junkie so give me an hour of the world give me an hour of like hawkeye being like oh my family's gone and so is the walmart and oh i'll take i'll take an hour of that i'll take an hour of that so whenever rihanna talks about bringing the band back together I always think of, uh, did you guys see the new Muppet movie with Jason Siegel? 
where they're like, we should get the Muppets back together. And someone else goes, all right, montage time. And they all just like jump in a car and they do a montage of picking everybody up in like four minutes and they're all back together. And they're just kind of mocking like that, like idiom within films. We should totally put that into Endgame where Natasha's like, we need to get the Avengers back together. And Cap goes, time for a montage. Should you get the music and just boom, 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 pick them up? Yes. All right, Adam, you can answer my question in a serious manner. Well, I, I think I think Cap is first. Captain Marvel. You know, I think the post credit scene is one of the earliest things because Cap still has his beard. And that's the thing. I mean, the beard could be digitally added on for all we know. I don't know. I'd say the end credit scene's pretty quick. And then the, the blonde-haired Black Widow explains to Captain Marvel what's going on. And then after that, I really don't know. I just realized what everybody's talking about with the beard digitally edited on. How much lying will we tolerate? And by we, I mean everybody watching this movie. Like, if they really do retcon, like if they show us that exact scene of the beeper going off, and it turns out that it's Cap without the beard in some other time period, how much of that type of stuff will they get away with? At this point, whatever they want. They they own us. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't have to be fair with us. (laughs) Are you guys surprised that they spoiled... The fact that Iron Man and Nebula make it back to Earth. Again, do we know they make it back? I mean, I I think that was pretty well assumed, which also brings back the point, you know, that is also another thing that happens super, super early. So then there's the scene where that someone's edited out and they're looking up at the sky, but then Cap doesn't have a beard in that, right? So is that... No, I don't like, think so. So, are we, so Cap comes back, Captain Marvel arrives at Avengers headquarters and Black Widow has the talk and then there's like a time jump. Is that what we're thinking? Because, I mean, that would explain uh, Carol Danvers' kind of radical new look. But then that also doesn't explain why Thor just met her. Unless he's living up in Norway with um, with Rocket. Right. Because they had like the lobster traps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the time I, I, I just is while Carol is out getting the band back together. Yes, she can travel at the speed of light, but she still has to find everybody. Uh, it's interesting to me. They're almost trying to tell narratives within trailers. Cause like we had the ones of like the first trailer, Tony stuck in space and you're like, Oh no, is Tony going to survive? And then the second trailer, you see him and Nebula like doing work on the ship and you're like, Oh yeah, they're going to save themselves. But they cut out like people in that scene where they're walking through the hangar. And then here in the third one, they put Nebula and Tony back in to that shot of them walking through the hangar. So it's not like they ever wanted to save that detail. Like, they removed people from the second trailer merely so they could reveal something in the third trailer. At this point, they're just, like, totally screwing with us to create entire narratives that they're going to answer before the movie ever came out by just revealing specific information one little drip at a time. And they can't even keep those narratives straight. They left Danae Ganera off of the poster and then added it later this afternoon. I don't know, guys. I might be losing trust. I'm trying to... Uh, I'm looking up at that group shot from the Super Bowl ad. I'm trying to see... It doesn't look like they have the Quantum Realm suits on there. Or maybe they do. They're just silhouettes, right? Kind of, sort of. You can see kind of some uh, red on Ant-Man. 
I don't know. So let's talk. Let's talk about those suits. Uh, those suits are real. They're definitely wearing those quantum suits. I know we really thought they weren't, but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like them? Do you like how they look? They look all right. Ew. War Machine looked very ridiculous. You tell me yeah. he can't use his own suit. He puts this on over his suit, and all of a sudden he's all fine. I don't know. It just looks like a little bizarre. Um, so my biggest takeaway when somebody said they look like Ant Man suits, as far as the design, is if Hank Pym gets unsnapped, and he finds out the way it happened is that Tony Stark got a hold of his tech and reverse engineered it and found a way to like make suits based on his designs, he is going to be pissed. The idea that a Stark was like messing with his stuff, he's going to kill Scott Lang for letting Tony Stark get anywhere near one of his suits. Right. And that's a whole other thing. When do all these people get undusted? There has got, there's got to be a money shot in Endgame with every single character. There has to be. So this is what I thought was striking. There are less characters on the Endgame poster than there are the Infinity War poster. Like, in a way, this movie is smaller and de-escalating from Infinity War, it feels like. Is that, like, a fair assessment? Everybody's dead. But it begs a really interesting question. Like, they're going into this only showing us stuff that makes us feel like it's going to be this more intimate, smaller team movie. But is there going to be a moment where everybody comes back and there's just going to be 50 people on screen? You know, they haven't even shown that they're... Well, no, Thanos made it to the poster. So we know Thanos will be in the movie uh but yeah i i feel like they are making it like we're just going back to this these original core avengers and a few friends that it's a tighter knit group and it's about everybody coming back together and it's going to be a happy 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 movie i took from this trailer oh the way they were walking at the end and the way they were coming back together and they're telling us that tony's gonna make it out of space this thing is gonna soar. The end of this movie, people are gonna be jumping up and down and hooping and hollering and screaming and clapping. They're gonna give us the payoff that we want. Even if even and you know, that doesn't mean people can't die, but I think that it's gonna end very hopeful. I hope. Because next year's not looking too bright. At least for right now. <laughs> now are they hiding Mike Ruff- Mark Ruffalo and Hulk from us, do you he, think? Yeah, he's he's hardly been in anything. So, I mean, I would guess he's Professor Hulk most of the movie. I, I don't know why he's not. Hawkeye's been in it ten times as much as Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it maybe is too simple, but the end game or the Infinity War tr- like poster had Hulk on it, and then Hulk was hardly in the movie. So now that I've seen Banner on the Endgame trailer, I'm assuming that he'll hardly be in it, and it'll be Hulk most of the time. Right. I mean, are they going to make Hawkeye one of the most important pieces of this movie? Or are they just putting him in all the trailers for fan service and he's going to be a non-factor? I, what do you think is this deal with that scene in the tunnels? See, I don't know, because he's looking at that red light in the Super Bowl spot. And everyone's like, oh, that's Ultron. I'm like, uh, no, it could be. It could be. I mean, what happens if they like need to help Ultron or need to get help from Ultron or something? When are we, are we gonna? When can we get into the in-game theories? Uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we got six weeks right. to milk this thing for all the listens we can. Okay. So uh, I'm sure our end-game theories would be a great thing to do for one of these weeks coming up. 
do we get the sense they're going to attack? Something is going to happen to their headquarters. I mean, we've seen the scenes where War Machine and Ant Man suit up in the headquarters, and then Ant Man's jumping around a pencil. Do we think that Avengers HQ is going to be destroyed somehow? Like, is it possible that Hawkeye is like trying to check out a security threat down in the basement or something? Oh, that's a good. Well, in the Ant Man shot, it something is exploding, where everything's lighting up around him, but. It doesn't make sense because he doesn't have his helmet on. So I'm not sure if like someone's popping out of the quantum realm or something. I don't know. The scene where he's writing was... on a pencil trebuchet? No, earlier when oh, okay. he's in he's in his uh, Ant-Man suit, but he doesn't have his helmet on and he's normal sized. Okay. Like everything starts blowing up in the back. I was wondering if like Tony Stark is just going to set like the coordinates for the uh, Benatar and then it's just going to crash land into Avengers HQ. Like that to me would be a logical like thing that him and Nebula pass out from the lack of atmospheric shielding or something. And then the Benatar just blows up the, the room there and it would create tension without actually having to move the plot very much. All right. Uh, on the website mailbag, Herman, a uh, best part of Carol's character is that she was a hero before having powers. She got them by accident but the accident was a result of her taking a heroic action, sacrificing herself um, by shooting the core, hoping to end wars, etc. Uh, the only thing I don't like about Monica becoming uh, Spectre, I think he means Spectrum, is that I actually want Maria to take that role because her relationship with Carol was the heart of the movie. I'm sure they can definitely work it out and uh, give us a adult Monica, but I also hope they find a way to keep Brie Larson and Lashana Lynch on screen together, which I agree. It'd be real sad if Lashana Lynch, they only Peggy Cartered her, right? Like she comes back and she's like old lady Lashana Lynch. That would be sad. I think uh, about the mid credit scenes has been confirmed that the Russos directed it. I'm positive. It'll be part of Endgame's first act. Like they did with Ant-Man civil war and Dr. Strange and Ragnarok. Uh, also based on the beard and hairstyles. I actually, I officially don't and won't believe anything they show us in any of Endgame's trailers. They're trolling us big time. And I love it. Uh, it's a little um, off topic, but I just wanted to say that as a queer person myself, I want to thank all of you for your continuous support of LGBTQ, of LGBTIQ plus community. Having to read and hear so many toxic comments uh, from fanboys every day is exhausting, but it also fits with what most uh, people like myself have to deal with in our daily lives. So knowing their allies willing to be outspoken about this is heartwarming. Uh, John Boyega as Blade, period. That's awesome. So thank you very much for the kind comments. We try to do our best to be good and respectful to everybody. So I'm glad that's good. We do that pretty well. Um, and yeah, uh, John Boyega's Blade is something I feel like I've heard a lot of times. So. Um, Love Waffle has a ton of comments here. I don't know if I could even come close to reading them all. Uh, if you want to read the website, there's lots of stuff. Uh, he felt like Captain Marvel is good. Uh, a bit like Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a fun, enjoyable movie. And, wow, there's just so much. Love Waffle, it's not that we don't appreciate you. I just, it's late, and there's so much here. So, hey, go over to the website. It's bonus content. Uh, you can read a lot. Uh, Dave asked what time period we think Captain Marvel 2 should be set in. He's hoping that Ronan might actually get a real movie at some point. Um, Amen. And... Uh, he also said a sequel set in like 99 would allow us to use excellent supporting cast from this movie and establish that Fury did use the beeper again. 
Um, and yeah. That would be cool. That would be cool. I think the only thing I don't like about another prequel, a sequel that's still a prequel, and Love Waffle brings this up, is it just feels like they're copying Wonder Man, Wonder Man, Wonder Woman, because uh, Wonder Woman's going to be the same thing. It's a sequel. It's still a prequel. Except in this universe, people have seen the other movies. It's <laughs> fair enough. Good point. Uh, we had some interactions on Twitter, and I I just don't have them up here right now. So awesome. It was mostly people uh, talking to me about waterfalls. And uh, and yes, right. Yeah, which we discussed earlier in the podcast. And a long discussion. You guys got into a really big discussion earlier this week about the What If series. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about uh, Clone Wars is a show I love from Star Wars and what I liked about it and how this will be different and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Three um, MPQ yeah. was talking a lot about the music and like what I was saying about the music. Um, and I knew somebody would come at me with this. Yes, Nirvana existed in 89, but they didn't, like, exist on the radio. Like, they weren't popular outside of Seattle until 91 when Nevermind came out. So I still hold that when Carol left Earth in 89, Nirvana was not a thing. Uh, Let me also go to the live chat real quick. Michael T. Ford's been with us um, the whole time. Uh, Lots of good comments and back and forth. Um, We were talking about what Spidey property he thinks would be good for TV. I said, I think I'd, I'd like a black cat show. I think you could do that. It's like alias kind of show. Uh, he was also saying he hopes that Wasp makes it into an A-Force movie, uh, which would be really awesome. I think that's it. It's late in the evening and we're not very good at this when it gets late. So thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can interact with us all kinds of different ways. Uh, you can send us messages, messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. Uh, we've got posts on marvelnewsdesk.com each week that you can uh, comment on as well. Uh, it really does help us if you send us a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. That helps us to keep the site up and all this other stuff that we run. Um, that gives you access as well to a special annual episode. There's an MCU film ranking episode. There's also a uh, MCU debates episode that we did this year. Uh, it also gets you early access to some of our videos. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. And uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that helps other people find the show. The most important thing you do is you listen and tell your friends, and we're really thankful for it. Uh, thanks to Tim Cox. He gave us our logo. He's on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And Alvin uh, did our theme music. You can find him at the school across many social media platforms. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.